Okay, welcome to the 421 podcast. Uh, this is a very special podcast that we're bringing to you today. Uh, in our previous podcast, we've taken a bit of a lighter side of the news, but today we're going to talk about a topic that is um, in the news at the moment and is something that is um, quite polarizing to people. We're going to talk about what the church thinks, and um, we're also going to talk about what a godly way, uh, how we can have a godly conversation about these things. Uh, I'd like to welcome Ryan, who's helping me host today. Welcome, Ryan. Hey, guys. Thank you very much. And um, and we're very lucky to have our Senior Minister John Gray of Castle Hill, and um, he's here to talk us through this and help us out. Thank you. Good to be back with you. We, we might just start by talking about the facts, or at least what we know about mm. um, what's happened, and, and the topic that we're going to touch on today is about the, the executions that have occurred in Bali this week, or in Indonesia this week, I should say. So let's just start with what we know. What we know is Indonesia has, and, and, and for a long period has had, the death penalty for drug smuggling. Mm-hmm. And we do know that the Bali Nine who were caught, those people confessed to the crime and were charged accordingly. Mm-hmm. Since then, we know that uh, they've served 10 years in jail. And now I'm just going to particularly refer to Andrew Chan and Miyaran Sukumaran. And they have faced the death penalty that among lots and lots of fanfare and yep, fan- circus and yep, yep, mm. and and appeals and eleventh um, hour requests and all those kind of things. We now know that they sadly were executed and they lost their lives. They were shot dead at twelve thirty five in Indonesia. We know that that their families obviously are are devastated. So mm. I think that sort of sums up what we know and where we're at. So let's maybe talk a little bit more about um, our response. As a society, I mean, as particularly as Australians, mm. um, the first thing I was uh, really thinking about is, from a political perspective, I mean, did the Australian government do enough? Yeah, it's a very good question, uh, and we only have what we can see in the media, and it seems like they were there batting all the way through, particularly Julie Bishop. She was on the phone, I understand, one report saying daily, mm. trying to... Uh, change the president of Indonesia's mind, or at least to have it uh, transmuted, is that the word, from death penalty to mm. life. Yeah. Um, and I know that she batted all the way through, and I know the prime minister went in and did things that were internationally attention-grabbing, not to grab people's attention, but withdrawing our ambassador kind of shocked the international community. Mm. So I think that we could say, look, after the fact, the government has done quite a bit. Did they do enough? Uh, we don't know the full story. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think, yeah, I think that's a really good point. We don't really know the full story, and that's something that in our discussions we're obviously going to talk about things that we know mm, of, mm. and we're going to talk from a from a, a perspective of of our thoughts. But again, we you know we're only piecing together the, the limited information that we really do know. Yes. Yeah. So we had um, actually Ryan, you were talking about just before we started recording, you were talking about the way that the media is. Um, has looked into yeah. uh, what's happened. And we're talking about the time when they actually originally got arrested and it was just after the whole um, Chappelle-Corby mm. arrests. And and at the time, you would say that the Australian public were very unsympathetic to oh, what absolutely. was happening. Yeah. Uh, can you share a little bit more about yeah, that? Yeah, I was, I was having a look. There was, I read an interesting article that sort of described the... I guess the contrast in in how as Australians we've changed, and particularly the media has changed their perspective and opinion, um, in in the way they reflect with the their news articles. And the, the first one was 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 back when they were originally arrested and sentenced, and it had a headline that just said no sympathy. Mm. The drug operation would have destroyed, or sorry, their drug operation would have destroyed thousands of lives. Now they'll pay with theirs, and it seemed to be a very just stark contrast to now where they've got uh, headlines which are please don't shoot, you know. Mm. release them so looking at these side by side they were both the the headliners in the front page of 
major news major corporations. Newspapers. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Just quite interesting. I mean, I'm not sure if, if the media has changed their mind or if Australian public have changed their mind. Uh, it's just certainly uh, quite a fascinating transition as a, mm. as a country where we've gone. Yes, and part of the cynicism in here is to what sells papers is what mm. governs headlines. Mm. And so it's very hard to, to pull apart, uh, again, details and mm. all the actual events and the history. Um, there's an interesting article in the paper over the weekend by Walid Ali saying it was very complex and that Chan and uh, Sukumaran didn't stand a chance uh, for so many reasons. And so it's a very complex political and historical framework in which we live. Um, and so we just need to be careful as we go into this. We don't understand all of the issues, and we never will, and rightly so, because our governments are, are elected to take care of things, and they do things in secret at certain levels. However, there are certain things that are, are clear to us, like back when Chappelle Corby was arrested and busted, uh, signs in Indonesia still are today. Mm. If you're peddling drugs, if you're smuggling drugs, if you're carrying drugs, you will be put to death. It's very, very clear. The question is, do we agree with that? Mm. Mm. And, and I guess that comes down to that question of behaviour leading to consequence. Yes. I've got a, a quote that I'd like to read you and then, a, and then a question to follow up, John, if that's okay. Yeah, sure. Um, this quote's from um, a journalist called Amy Maguire. She says, While Australia condemns capital punishment as a grave violation of human rights, it blatantly violates the rights of asylum seekers and refugees. Mm. Are we being hypocritical as a nation due to our current system and the treatment of asylum seekers? Uh, when we're now criticising, as a community, the treatment of prisoners in Indonesia? Mm. Yes, I think we are. We are not a country that understands rights uh, well. I don't think we understand what it means to take care of another human being very mm. well. I think our models are somewhat damaged, and so we don't know what to do. So, yes, it's... Uh, it is hypocritical to decry the lack of human rights for people who are facing the death penalty, but not do mm. more for those who flee for their lives to our shores. Mm. Uh, we need to delve into that a whole lot more. Yep. Mm, it's a very interesting point. I think um, probably another thing we can talk about is um, is death penalty in general. Mm. Um, sort of where where does the death penalty exist? Where where is it currently being practiced? Mm. Um, why, for what reasons, all that sort of thing. Um, so I did a little bit of research and um, just to have a look at who still does the death penalty, and it's it's quite interesting. Um, obviously, the US is one that um, that springs to mind. That's something that they're, they're abolished in a number of states, um, but it's still being practiced in a lot of them. Mm. Uh, from there, the countries tend to um, tend to congregate a lot around uh, Middle Eastern areas. So, um, in terms of numbers, uh, numbers per capita, Iran tops the list. Um, uh, Saudi Arabia also was very high on the list. Iraq, Pakistan, uh, Syria are all countries that, that still operate the death penalty and actually sit very high on the list in terms of numbers of people that are executed per capita. The other thing that I noticed was, was that a lot of those countries tend to be within what we refer to as the 1040 window. So a lot of those countries are in that uh, 10 latitude, 10 degrees latitude north up to 40 degrees latitude, which tend to be also the unreached and unchurched populations of this mm. world. It, it, it strikes me as quite, a, quite an interesting parallel. Yes, it's a stark reality, isn't it, uh, for a couple of things again. One is 
the, we must understand that the Muslim nations are acting with complete integrity. That is, they're acting according to their uh, scriptural basis, the Quran, and the Quran is very clear about certain things. If you do commit a crime and the punishment for the crime is you lose a hand, you lose a hand. And if the penalty for a crime is certain lashings, you, you experience that. If it's death, it's death. That is how Islam works in that part of the world. And we must understand that they're being in integrity. Whether we agree with that or not is another matter. Mm. And then the 1040 window is the window in which most people are yet to hear about the Christian Jesus. And Jesus makes the difference because mm. he places a high value on human life mm. uh, to the point where he shed his own blood that life might live. So uh, there is a big difference right there. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's really interesting. Just to go right down into our community now, uh, into the Hills District, mm. um, I actually uh, noticed that Castle Hill High, our, our, our local public high school, um, put up on their sign, they actually wrote uh, four words as a reaction to um, these deaths. They said, merciless, barbaric, futile, and weak. Uh, what are your thoughts on um, our local public school um, putting that kind of information out there? Mm. Look, I think uh, the first three words uh, are right. What were they again in order? Uh, merciless. Yeah, it was merciless. Yep. Barbaric. Yep. Futile. Futile, yeah. Now, just to pause on those. Yep. Here, uh, at least in the case of Andrew Chan, here is a man who uh, was so rebuked for what he did. He came to faith in Christ. And so it is futile to take a life, although it's futile to take a life of anybody. Life is valuable, mm. um, but certainly it's merciless. But that's the nature of justice. Justice has no mercy. That's why we need to look to Jesus, who is mm. full of grace and mercy. Mm. Uh, we need to do that. Is it weak? Yeah, that's an interesting one because a lot of people are calling President Wododo weak because he wouldn't back down from uh, the stance of the death penalty despite his opposition leader actually contacting him and saying that they could have sort of like a bipartisan agreement so that he wouldn't be attacked politically if he let these prisoners go. And so some people are saying that he's being weak in not changing his mind, I guess. It almost seems like a word and it seems like they, they choose to use a word like that to incite um, anger almost, you know, mm. it's, 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 a, it's an inflammatory word. Using is, the word yeah. weak it's, is very inflammatory it's and it's very, very derogatory. Mm. It's very derogatory and very dangerous mm. um, and we don't know the full extent of it all. We don't know what the president would face if he backed down. Mm. Uh, we can say we don't agree with it. We can say mm. we wish he had a different stand to that. But that week is very, like you say, it's it's full of loaded luggage, mm. which doesn't help. All it does is inflame the situation, mm. which it will do as people hear this. So it is interesting that a state school local to us has really strong opinions on what's mm. happening across the world uh, and what's happening to Australian citizens. You mentioned earlier about Andrew Chan's faith, mm. about him becoming a Christian. I just wanted to talk about a few things that that he did once he was arrested and put in Corobican prison, um, he spent 10 years there and from the inside out changed his life. And I mm. wanted to say something that his pastor actually said of him just before they were to be executed. And uh, his pastor actually said um, they were praising their God. One of the songs sung was Amazing Grace. It was breathtaking. This was the first time I witnessed someone so excited to meet their God. Mm -hmm. 
I think that's something very encouraging in, in a very dark place. Yeah, and it's a testimony to the profound revolution that the gospel of Jesus makes in a human being's life, mm. even to the point of which if you a human being knows they're going to face death, but they're so convinced that Jesus has paid for their sins, mm. including in this case drug trafficking, that Jesus has forgiven them, that their next conscious moment is they will be before their Jesus saved, forgiven, and welcomed home. That is a profound reality. Mm, Absolutely. And Andrew Chan himself actually said, uh, this is a quote from him saying, "Uh, not a single feather would fall off a sparrow without God permitting it. Mm. Everything that happens is part of God's plan. Mm -hmm. And having that kind of perspective when you're faced with such a terrifying scenario, Mm. uh, when you've you've been living in very difficult conditions already, um, I think that faith really um, is challenging to me anyway, personally. It is, isn't it? Yeah. It is. I, I uh, was listening to another preacher from another era talking about where he went to an execution in his country, Uganda, and he went to speak to those who were going to be shot. And each one of the young men said, we have come to know Jesus. It is okay. Tell our parents, mm. Jesus has forgiven us. Jesus is going to welcome us home. And like the prisoners who were just executed in Indonesia, the ones in Uganda refused to be blindfolded. They looked their executioners in the eye, said they would forgive them, Mm. and then took the penalty. That is a profound reality of the gospel. So here in the hills as a church, we might not face that type of persecution, but what lessons can we take out of this? What action can we take? And how do we feel about that? It's worth reflecting on uh, people like Andrew Chan and reflecting on the difference that Jesus makes in a very crucial environment. Uh, And then to reflect on uh, we live in such a good part of the world with access to so many things, education and wealth. Our danger is we think we've made it. We think this is paradise. We think this is home. But Jesus says, no, it's not home. And we need to recalibrate our our eyesight and to lift above where we are and to say, you know, if Jesus is for real, then I'll put my faith in him. And we make a decision now that even if something disastrous happens to us in the hills, we will stay true to Jesus and lean into him. As a sort of a a side point, we're talking about godly perspective. Mm. Where do Christians or where should Christians um, or how should Christians view the death penalty? How should, what should be our perspective on the death penalty, whether it be at home or overseas? You know, I think uh, the high school is right. It's barbaric. Uh, we don't need to take human life. And so I think we start with the fact that life is valuable, and we know that because Jesus died in order to make sure human life could go on forever. And so we ought to be very, very careful about running headlong into anything to do with death penalty. Though, again, if you travel overseas and you get off a plane and a sign says, if you are doing X, Y, or Z and the penalty is death, then you want to be very, very careful because you go into another person's country and you live on their laws Mm. while you're in their place. Mm, That's very interesting. Okay, I guess with the exception of the US, Mm -hmm. the majority of the countries, if not all of the countries, come from a non-Christian background. They come from the 1040 window in areas yes. that are unreached and unchurched. And that obviously 
is reflective of the fact that as as Christians we have a different perspective on life and different perspective on death yes. and justice. Yes, exactly right. Uh, and a couple of things I think can come out of this. One is that uh, as much as we dislike the death penalty, the world is not really going to change. Those countries won't change until they hear more of Jesus who mm. brings change at a quite a profound level. And once there's a groundswell of Christianity growing, then we can bring legislative change in those countries to outlaw things like the death penalty Mm. because we have a profound, deep respect of human life. Uh, Secondly, at one level, this ought not to surprise us that people are so poorly treated around the world. You know, Ryan, you showed me that photo from, I guess, Wikipedia of a woman about to be executed. Who knows what her crime was? Probably not a great crime in our land. Mm. But it ought not to surprise us that there are people suffering and being executed Mm. because we live this side of the Garden of Eden and this side of heaven's door. Mm. And this is a world that is marked by wars, rumors of wars, suffering, pestilence and famine and suffering upon suffering. What those things ought to do is, in the language of C.S. Lewis, is they act as a megaphone to to awaken a sleeping world Mm. to the reality that this is not our home. Home is where Jesus is and where he's calling us to. And he's calling us to a place where there will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more tears, no more wars, no more death penalties. But we will live with God Mm. in a time of absolute peace, which the scriptures call shalom. And so the disturbances in our world ought to cause us to look forward to the day when Jesus returns and takes us home. And therefore, we would never settle for life in the hills or any other place, as good as it is, because there is a better place to come. Absolutely. Thank you very much, John, for um, for joining us on this special podcast. Thanks very much for giving us your perspectives and just being able to sit down with us and uh, you know allow us to talk this issue through. Oh, no, these are great issues. Anytime. Well, that's us again for another podcast. Obviously, this is a special podcast, but we will be resuming our normal duties. Uh, very shortly to make sure that we're still on track. Uh, if you want to contact us, we've got the Twitter and the Instagram handle of at the 421 podcast. And our email is the 421 at spch.org.au. We'd love you to touch base with us and tell us what do you want to hear about? These are the things that are happening in our community. Mm. And we really want to touch on what you want to hear about. Absolutely. And we hope that, you know, the way we talk about these issues is in modeling how to have a godly conversation about these sorts of topics. So if you've got something you really want to, want us to talk through, uh, or if you've got some thoughts on, on what we've spoken about, then get in touch with us through Twitter or Instagram or the email. Or alternatively, if you want to talk to someone from the St. Paul's staff, then get in touch by sending an SMS through to 0451-142-116. We certainly hope you've enjoyed yourselves and uh, tune in next time. Thank you for listening.